things NFL. Now here's your hosts, Woot and Why. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why show. I'm Josh Why. No Woot today. If you did listen to our last episode, you'll know that he's uh, gone away for a couple of weeks. So I'll be having a series of interviews and guest hosts uh, to fill in over the course of the next few weeks. And we'll start straight off the bat with a, a personal favorite of mine in Shannon Furman. Uh, she's an NFL films extraordinaire. Uh, she's the lead director of All or Nothing Season 2. Um, so she comes on and chats to me about... Uh, all or Nothing Season 2, Hard Knocks, NFL Films, The Future of All or Nothing, all sorts of stuff, Celebrity Golf Days, and uh, you can follow her on Twitter, at FirmBiz, and please check out NFL Films, and if you can, uh, please stream All or Nothing Season 2, it's brilliant, I haven't quite finished it yet, but so far it's it's really, really entertaining stuff, uh, when you look at the Rams season overall, you think, how could it be entertaining, but they, uh, NFL Films and Shannon do a terrific job of... Uh, of making it very, very entertaining and worth your while. So please check that out. And uh, let's get straight into it. Here's my interview with Shannon Furman of NFL Films. Joining me on the line is Shannon Furman. She's an Emmy Award-winning director and producer. She was the lead director in All or Nothing Season 2. She's a director for Hard Knocks and just basically an all-round NFL Films extraordinaire. You can follow her on Twitter, at FirmBiz, and uh, we welcome her back to the Root & Why Show. How are you going, Shannon? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing doing well. Uh, early morning here, but I, uh, I'm getting up because it's it's worth it having you on to talk All or Nothing Season 2 and some Hard Knocks and some NFL films. But before we get started, um, I know you travel a lot. So yesterday you are flying home because you attended a Jeff Fisher's Celebrity Golf Day. Is that correct? What? It was a, it's a big sky celebrity golf tournament. So coach Fisher just participates in it. So he invited a bunch of us that were with the Rams and stuff last year out to hang out in big sky, Montana and play in the golf tournament. Also, how, how do you play? Are you any good at golf? I, I'm decent. I think yeah. it was, it was a scramble. So, um, you don't have to completely rely on me, but yep. Brandon Fisher was in our group. So. I think Brandon Brandon led the way in our group. <laughs> oh, there you go. So a little uh, tidbit for the, on the Fisher family. Brandon Fisher, uh, quite good at golf. I think last time we talked, I think you were in Vegas because I think your friend works for Floyd Mayweather or, or for a, a company yeah. related to Floyd Mayweather. And now you're this time I talked to you, you're finally home, but uh, you're at Mon- Montana. <laughs> we'll p- potentially team that up. Uh, so does your friend still work for Floyd Mayweather and will you, you get to, uh, attend that fight against McGregor? Well, that fight is actually our third game for Hard Knocks. Oh, so no. I will be at, yes, I will be at the Bucks Browns game. I believe it is. I know you're very jealous, yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, she actually, she is a freelance producer. So, um, Showtime and HBO would contract her to work on the fight and stuff. So, yep. I am not sure exactly what her plan is. I saw her a couple weekends ago in Dallas, and as of then, she was not doing anything yet, but the fight like literally had just been announced, yep. like I think the day before. Fair enough. Uh, and you do travel a lot, so I do have a question for you before we get into anything. How often are you actually home, like where you are right now? How, how often are you actually <laughs> home? Uh, you know, it changes all the time, but I think last year, I mean, last year was the craziest year of my career, so... I think I did something like 250 nights on the road last year, so that's kind of nuts. 
That's that is that is crazy. And your life is essentially <laughs> sort of living and following, you know, an NFL team covering them for all or nothing. So how do you actually live like while you cover these teams? Because you're you're on sort of NFL hours. Like, do do you have like an NFL films base with the team, or do you just have to hotel life it, or or how does that actually work for you and the rest of the directors and producers? Yeah, we um usually we're in a Marriott somewhere. Marriott's an NFL sponsor, so they usually put us up at some Marriott in whatever city that we're working in. So we get lots of Marriott points, which is nice. Yep. <laughs> um, and then we usually have like our own facility within the team's facility. So like last year for All or Nothing, we had our own trailers kind of right outside of the Rams facility. And we'll be doing the same thing this year in Tampa. We'll have our own trailers in the parking lot at the Buccaneers facility. Wow. I don't know how you do it. Like, it, after living or uh, staying in a hotel for for a few days, like being away, like I just I miss home. Uh, how often do you how often do you get homesick? Um, I'm crazy. I'm already like I can't wait to get to Hard Knocks. So, yep. um, but I do miss a lot of times. Like when I am home, I like to be home. Like I'm going to visit friends in DC this weekend. Yep. But I'm just going to drive home because I want to be in my bed. Yep. Fair <laughs> enough. I I get that feeling 100. percent So obviously your job as as a director and as a field producer. And if people want to know your detailed history, please check out the episode where we spoke to you last time because we did sort of start that show getting into your history and, and your rise up the ranks at NFL Films. Um, <laughs> so obviously you, you get to know players and you develop a close bond with them over many hours, days and months that you, you're filming with them during during that show. So how many of them you know, do you con- now consider close friends from, from filming? I mean, like, a lot of the guys on the Rams last year, because, I mean, it went from, like, hard knocks to all or nothing, so, like, we kind of had an advantage in that. I, I don't know that we'll ever do that again, because that's a lot to put on one team. Yep. Um, but just with the historic, like, the move and the team com- football coming back to L.A., that was kind of, it just made sense. We had followed the team from the move through training camp, and, you know, when it came time for all or nothing, like, a lot of teams didn't know what all or nothing was yet since it was only in its first year after the Cardinals. So it kind of just made sense for us to stay in LA. So yeah, like, I mean, right. Like week one, we got all these, like we had all these off the field shoots scheduled because we already knew these guys coming off of the summer. But I mean, the Keenums are really good friends now. Case and Kimberly, um, a lot of the wives, I became friends with a lot of the wives, Christina Quinn and Alex Ogletree. Yep. So I, I think there's people like I'll keep in touch with probably for a long time while coming off of this project. Uh, you touched on sort of my next question, but you raised the Keenums, and I'll just sidestep. I haven't quite finished watching the program yet. Uh, you know the difficulty uh, Australians have in trying to get <laughs> Amazon. That's an Amazon issue, not an NFL Films issue, so I'm not going to uh, uh, get into that. That's uh, <laughs> Amazon's fault. You, you buy everything, and you can't get programs to Australia. Come on, Amazon. Um, but I am really enjoying... <laughs> Case and Kimberly Keenum, I I find them a interesting couple, and I, I think she's an extraordinary wife because she just remains so positive, and I I guess it would be so hard to do that. Um, is there any moments where you where you have seen her a little bit more vulnerable? Because I've only seen her so far, and she's just been so positive. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely um, Kimberly. Definitely, it takes a lot to get her to wear a mic at a game. Um, she gets very nervous about it. So (laughs) we didn't do it all that often. Um, I think actually London might've been the only game where she did it this year. Um, 
But, yeah, so she just gets nervous during the games. But other than that, she's, like, a really good sport about it. I think they see the value in it. They have this, and they can show their kids this someday. So, I mean, and she is a super supportive wife, like, there yeah. for Case and stuff. They've been together for a really long time and have a really great story. So, it was a lot of fun going to, I don't know if you saw the scene with Ryan Seacrest yet. She's, like, a yep. huge Ryan Seacrest fan. So, that was a lot of fun getting to do that with them. But... That was um, that was a yeah, fun scene really with the people. yeah with the victory waffles. That was a great scene. Yes. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you mentioned from hard knocks. <laughs> yes. Uh, you mentioned sort of hard knocks and being with with the Rams for that, and so obviously you you didn't know when filming hard knocks that the Rams were going to be the all or nothing team, but obviously it it made that transition quite easy because that trust was developed, as you mentioned. So how did it work logistically going from you know, hard knocks to all or nothing in terms of your role and NFL films? Is it because it's two different, obviously, production companies with HBO and Amazon? Yeah, well, we kept it. That was kind of part of the deal when it became official that we were going to stay. We started talking about it early on in the hard knocks process, but we weren't exactly sure what was going to happen. And then it was finalized the morning of the day we played the Vikings. So it was the last preseason game was when we officially decided we were going to stay. And a big part of why coach Fisher and the organization was allowing us to stay was because I was going to stay on and direct it. And we said, we were going to keep, we were going to keep the crew as seamless as possible. So almost everyone that came in on a weekly basis and worked on the show with me, were all crews that had been there at hard knocks. So they already knew almost all of us. Um, and for all or nothing, the crew's a lot smaller than it is for Hard Knocks. So we try to keep the footprint down, but the faces kind of all remain the same. So everybody got a feel for who everyone was. Yep. And is there sort of, you know, the different challenges you face in terms of producing a show where the episodes, you know, are available sort of to stream at the same time? So obviously you get to film all or nothing knowing that you're not going to release it for some time as opposed to, uh, trying to put together narratives uh, for the following week in terms of hard knocks because you're not knowing what's going to happen in, in the future. What Does that change your approach in terms of what you film and, 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 and your footage? I don't think it changes our approach in terms of what we film, but it yep. definitely changes what we end up using on the editorial side. I mean, I think the best example that I can give is that, like, at hard knocks, if a fight breaks out during training camp, like, that's the big story. Yep. Everybody knows it. It's on the news. It's on Sports Center. It's on everything that night. So it's kind of like, who do we have mice? Like, that turns into, like, a big scene for us in Hard Knocks. Whereas if that were to happen at All or Nothing, it's probably not even going to make the show. Mm-hmm. Because, number one, the chances, like, at All or Nothing, there's a lot less guys miked on a daily basis. Um, unless it's, like, a guy who ends up having a major storyline in the game that week. Yep. So... Things like that change. Um, the characters that we follow are very different. Uh, you know, the, it's the we always say, like, what's at stake? Who has the most at stake? And in Hard Knocks, uh, like, unfortunately, a lot of the stars don't have much at stake. It's the younger guys. It's yep. the, um, the journeyman type guys. So it's a completely different group that you're almost following from All or Nothing or from Hard Knocks to All or Nothing. Um and then I think for All or Nothing, one of the things, it's good that you have a lot of time, but there are so many rounds of changes because as the storyline changes, so do your characters, so do the way you edit back all the way back to show one. So 
I mean, show one was, I've seen 28 different versions wow. of show one, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it was being done throughout the whole season. So, yeah, it's just a, a lot of changes and just kind of constantly developing your storylines. Yeah, because your protagonist kind of changes uh, on a, any given, like, episode, and it's hard to yeah. really determine who you know, who that main character is on, on any given basis. So how much footage would you say doesn't get used because a bigger storyline or, or sort of narrative bumps like a previously recorded sort of thing in, in terms of direction? You said you've seen diff- 28 different versions. So how much footage would you say just ends up on the floor and just never gets used? Well, I think they said that we shot something like upwards of 1,200 hours for oh. All or Nothing. Wow. So 1,200 into eight <laughs> Okay. Wow. I think the biggest thing we the the biggest thing we noticed this year that was different than the Cardinals is the use of the games. Um, because the Cardinals were winning the games, we relied on the games a lot more to tell the Cardinals story. Where this year, we definitely didn't do that. The games kind of towards the end, they kind of fly by. Um, yep. Which is funny to me because I'm there managing a crew of like 25 people on game day, and then the games are like super short, but. I think it worked. I think it worked for the season that the Rams had this year to kind of like, you know, not embarrass anybody, but still show the emotions that these guys were feeling um, and not bore our viewers at the same time by keeping showing the same things. Yeah, I I actually think, um, and you mentioned sort of winning games and stuff, it, you think, oh, you know, a team winning winning games, that's going to make for a far more, you know, entertaining season because the team's riding high and it's all good vibes and all, and you know, all good sort of storylines coming from that. But I I actually thought the Rams season, I've, I've enjoyed it probably a little bit more because I'm not sure how, like, you're showing more of the human aspects of things in terms of the issues okay. and, and the bumps in the road. So do you think that a team's success impacts your approach to filming and 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 what you sort of go with yeah I, I think it definitely does um and i think we're still learning since this is only the second year of this show yep um we we didn't know what was going to happen i mean we knew when we got into this that this was probably not a team that was going to the super bowl or nfc championship we knew it was going to be a tough year for the rams um did we think they'd be four and 12 and fire their coach probably not Yep. Um, so after week one, I will say I was terrified. <laughs> um, uh, the 28 to zero loss to San Francisco. I was kind of like, what the heck are we doing? Oh, um, but then the three wins, I was like, wait, are we geniuses? Like, what is like, what is going to happen here? Like, so I just think like every year it's going to be so different. I think the biggest challenge that we'll face is all or nothing is if you get a team that seven and nine, nothing happens with the coach. It just kind of is what it is. And that, that will be the biggest challenge. But I even think in that, like people love football so much that like you're getting to see these guys for who they really are as people. Um, and so I think if that is the case, you're just going to have to work extra hard to find characters that people care about and that you want to root for um, in, in a situation like that. So it's going to be different every year if we continue to do this, which I think that's the plan. Yeah, and, you know, I'm a massive football fan. You know, I, I live and breathe football every day. I'm reading something NFL-related. And what I found really cool was, and I love Hard Knocks, and that's how we sort of became friends in terms of uh, Twitter about Hard Knocks. 
and you, I love the yeah. suspense side of things of the unknown of what's happening on a week to week basis. Whereas all or nothing, like I knew how that season panned out, but I still yeah. was learning so much because like there's stuff that I didn't see and stuff that I totally forgot about. Like I totally forgot about Aaron Donald's explosion in week one against against the 49ers <laughs> and I wanted to see that and how the, the team reacted to that and and all that side of things so I actually found I actually what I love about all or nothing like as you said it could be a seven and nine boring season where no one gets fired no one gets injured but there's still going to be so much stuff that's interested because we just football fans mm-hmm. just want to exhume so much content and they just want to know everything yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of my favorite scenes in this season of All or Nothing was the um, film session with Aaron Donald. I mean, Aaron's going to be one of the best players in this game for years to come, and he's yep. a great guy. So the fact that he let us kind of come in with him the morning after that all went down and just kind of pick his brain for a little bit, to me, is like a fascinating look at him. Um, I wish we had gotten to do a little bit more with him because he is so much fun to work with and such a nice guy. He actually said to me, at the end of the year, he was like, Shannon, I mean, if we had been winning games, I would have let you do, like, do whatever you wanted. Yep. Um, you know, it was just, it was a rough year. So yep. he was really good about letting us like mic him at practice. And we did a couple games with him. Um, and we saw family one time, I think, in the series. So uh, Aaron's a guy I look forward to working with, hopefully for a long time. Yeah, I find him fascinating. I thought he was sort of the MVP of episode one. I, uh, I really like him as a player. And uh, I'm hoping sort of, and I'm jumping around here, I'm hoping sort of, like, he's he's such a good football player, but still so many people don't realize how damn good he is. And I think that's the same with, like, someone mm-hmm. like Gerald McCoy. So I'm really hoping Hard Knocks can really shine um, for Gerald McCoy and show him because I feel like he's just so overlooked as a player. I mean, I keep telling everybody if by the end of Hard Knocks, Gerald McCoy is not the most likable guy in the NFL. We didn't do our job. Yeah, sweet. I'm, I am so pumped for Gerald McCoy. I'm... I'm a big Gerald McCoy fan, so uh, um, I'm enjoying that preview. Uh, I'll jump back to All or Nothing, your relationship with Jeff Fisher. Uh, you know, what is it about Jeff that meant you guys developed quite a good relationship? Yeah, I mean, it's like not even just him. It's his whole family. I mean, like yep. I became really good friends with his wife and then like his son Brandon and his his wife Anne. Um, it was probably sort of becoming friends with like Brandon and Anne even that – I gained Coach Fisher's trust more. Okay. Um, so, like, yeah, it started off with we were in Montana this time last year doing the scene with just him and Brandon fishing. Yep. And from there, it just kind of continued to develop. But, yeah, I, I formed a, a good friendship with um, his son Brandon and Ann, and I think that helped me continue to form a relationship with Coach, too. Yeah. I, I'm not the biggest Jeff Fisher guy at all, um, you know, compared to Arians <laughs> last year. Like, I really love Bruce Arians. But I think he did a really good job yeah. in, in some, some of these episodes conveying him in in a in a good way, in a different way. I looked at Jeff Fisher differently. Um, I generally felt for him at times. So, you know, obviously you had a good relationship with the – or you still do have a good relationship with the Fisher family, obviously um, playing golf with them uh, over the last couple of days. But what was it like sort of being there and, and filming sort of his day that he got fired? Because obviously, like, you know, he, he's the guy that trusted you and now it's kind of like the biggest day for you as a as – a, as a producer or a director, because this is like unprecedented filmmaking. Like no one's ever seen this Mm -hmm. before. So like talk us through this day and like, when did it sink in that you just filmed something unbelievably amazing? (laughs) 
Um, yeah, the whole day started with, well, it started the night before, I guess. Um, the Rams got their butt kicked by the Falcons. So, um, and I knew we were going into a short week. And Coach Fisher and I usually met on Mondays around 5 o'clock just to go over the schedule for the week. Um, so since it was a short week, I just touched base with him after the game. He said, you know, let's just talk each morning. And before you know it, like, we'll be in Seattle instead of having, like, a big sit-down meeting. So it was like, okay, they were already – they were prepping for Seattle. Him and Coach Mack watching the Seattle game tape from the day. And everything seemed normal. Um, same thing with the morning. I came in Monday morning. We talked about we're just going to let Coach Mack at practice, leave some of the players alone since the game was kind of rough. Um, like, I left – we left me and uh, my assistant director – left to go grab breakfast and on our way back from breakfast i got a phone call from my robo camera operator and he said like where are you i said we're about three minutes away (laughs) he said okay you got to get back here coach fisher just told the staff he was fired oh my god (laughs) i (laughs) i said is he joking are you sure he kind of jokes around a lot is he he he's like no he's not joking just get back here yep so me and Pat get back to the to our trailers, and we see the tail end of the staff meeting, and then he gathers everybody in. So now there's, like, the crew. Our crew is about probably about 10 people on a weekly basis. Yep. So there's 10 of us stuffed into this 8 by 20 trailer <laughs> watching all this unfold. Um, oh, my God. At no point did anyone tell us to shut the cameras off because these cameras are all manned by a person so they're not like running automatic they have a person and if they really did wanted to tell us to get out of here they really they could have and at no point did anyone ever tell us to shut the camera off um so we continued to roll they gathered the players to do the the team meeting because i believe they did it at least an hour early if not two hours early so they got everyone together and that was when he told the team what happened so um i knew right away what we were shooting was groundbreaking, but at the same time, you know, it's a, it's someone who would become a friend is losing his job on television right now. I had, I had no idea what to expect, but, yeah. um, I kind of let everything settle in. I talked with, uh, I talked with Keith Cosro, who's the producer back at home. And then I went in and, um, I talked to coach Fisher. Um, I asked him, you know, like what, what do you want us to do? What hmm. you tell me what you, and he was like, I want you to keep doing what you've been doing. Like, he's like, everybody's been working really hard and basically football is not easy. Yep. And like, so he said, just keep operating the same way you've been operating. Um, you know, and we'll figure it out after it's all done. Wow. So that went, and Kevin Demoff basically said the same thing. Just keep doing what you've been doing. So that was what we did. Wow. Um, I mean, that first day, we mic'd Coach Mack and we mic'd the new head coach. We mic'd John Fossil. Yep. Um, which I think is a fascinating scene, too. Um, just watch Coach Mack teach Coach Fossil everything, essentially. I mean, like trying to get in as much as they could in that first practice. So I thought that was one of the more fascinating scenes in the show. But it was a crazy week. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> a short that. week, a crazy week. It was It was a lot. Yeah, like it's it's such a bittersweet feeling for you because you've broken sort of new ground and you've picked up something that's never really de- been done before. But at the same day, that the whole reason that you're in this situation and developed this trust is because you've formed such a close bond with the Fisher yeah. family. So 
Um, I find that really honourable of Jeff to to uh, you know to bring you guys in and, and just say keep going, keep the footage, keep doing what you've been doing, and that's sort of the side of Jeff Fisher that I I never really knew about, and I with it, without this show, I, my opinion would, of Jeff Fisher would be so different. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I can tell everybody about Coach Fisher who may not have met him, he's he treats everyone like the same way. Like the, he knows the janitor's name, he knows everybody's name. He maybe that's even like his biggest fault as a football coach is that he tries to do too much instead of just focusing on football and stuff. He's he genuinely cares about other people. So um, that's just something I noticed while I was there is that he's he's just a good person and he has good relationships with a lot of people. And in moving this whole team, since he's done that before, he just took on a lot of other hats probably that if he could have just stuck to football, maybe things would have been different. Yep. Uh very, very interesting, and I'm glad that we have that insight on Jeff Fisher. So, was the breakfast worth it? You know, like missing that? <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah. I don't know what I, well, the crazy thing, the crazy thing about it is too is, and I, Tony Erickson is the name of the Robo Camera Operator. He's also a, a shooter for us. He films on game days too. But like we've talked about this so many times, Tony was actually there early that morning because. Like I said, all these meetings weren't supposed to happen until lunchtime. Mm. But we're all crazy, and we can't stand sitting in our hotel rooms. So we all just got there early that morning. I mean, Tony technically didn't even have to be there. So I can't imagine what would have happened if Tony wasn't there. But thank God he was, and he was ready and rolling when he started seeing, like, commotion going on in the room. There, um, there you go. Like, but, a, lesson yeah. to all, a lesson to all the punters out there. Get to work early because good things happen. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like, I, that was why, like, instead of us going to breakfast early that morning, like, before we came to the office, it was kind of like, let's just go in, see what's going on, and then we'll go. Um, and that's kind of what we did, and thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, that, that panned out really, really well for, for you guys. Uh, some other questions involving Season 2 of All or Nothing. Hold on, my dog is going crazy. All right, some few more uh, all-or-nothing questions before we move on. Where does William Hayes rank for you all-time in terms of on-screen <laughs> NFL characters? Because I find him unbelievably entertaining. Uh, he's got to be up there. I mean, the funny story about him is we had heard a lot about him going into Hard Knocks. And after, I would say, like the first two weeks maybe, we hadn't really gotten anything. And I was like what the heck is going on with this guy? He's supposed to be really funny. Like we haven't really heard much yet. <laughs> and then it kind of like, and then I started like asking, I guess around like other teammates about him. Like we've been hearing this dinosaur stuff. Like what's the deal. And from there, it just kind of took off. <laughs> um, and we, yeah, like Will is the best. Uh, he's another person. I've still been in touch with Will. He's a really great guy. Um, the scene where he goes to get the Christmas tree, uh, I have wanted to do, I grew up like always getting a real Christmas tree with my family yep. and it's just something I've wanted to do for years. <laughs> and like a lot of people like don't go get a real tree or like someone brings their tree in and stuff, you know? So when I was asking around trying to do that, like I just, I don't know. I did not think Will was going to say, yes, this is something I do every year, but <laughs> being from North Carolina, um, as soon as I asked him, he was like, yeah, I'm getting a real tree. Like, and so 
That was one of my favorite shoots that we did on the whole series. When his kids jumped out of the car dressed up like elves, I was like in heaven. It was great. It was one of my favorite moments from the season. A, a part of me wants you guys to be doing Miami for All or Nothing Season 3 just so we get more <laughs> William Hayes. Uh, so just uh, say nothing if it is Miami. That's All or Nothing Season 3. There we go. Um, it, <laughs> we are in talks with several teams right now. We're not positive who it is, but I'm pretty sure we'll get another season out of it. But we have a couple teams right now we're talking to. So um, I'm going to jump ahead and then I'll, I'll come back because I kind of I did want to ask about sort of Season 3. So what do you guys look for when you try to decide a team for All or Nothing? Or is it just sort of just expressing what teams are interested? Because obviously, you know, all like any team would be interesting um, at, at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, you, you do want a team. You go into it looking for a team who you think is going to be competitive um, and where there's you're going to get the biggest audience. Um, but also a thing is now that people kind of know what the show is, there's a little bit more interest out there. I wouldn't say that people are dying to do it, but I think there are some coaches and just front office people who realize the value for their fan base and for their legacy as coaches and things like that. So um, I, I think as we do this more, and I think as people watch even this year and what we were able to do in an uncomfortable situation, hopefully you'll get more people doing it. But like, I mean, the natural thing is to go with like, if someone's going to volunteer to do the show, that's going to get you the best access. Yep. Um, so that that's probably the main thing that we look for. Okay. Is there a team you particularly, like, would, would love to shoot sort of this season? I mean, if I could pick someone this year, it would be the Raiders. But that's not going to happen because we'll probably wait to do them until either the year before they move or the year after they move. But I think they have a great young team right now. Um, Marshawn Lynch being yeah. back in football and being there. If I, could, if I could pick anyone, that's who I would pick. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how far ahead are you guys thinking about the series? Because you guys must know that you're on a winner with this sort of unprecedented access and filmmaking. So uh, I was going to suggest if you're already looking at the Raiders for the season that they move to Vegas. So you kind of already answered that, that question, and that would, be, that would be fascinating given the whole Vegas aspect. I mean, I think we would do anything the Raiders would be willing to do over the next couple of years now that they just signed Derek Carr. I and mean, I think they're one of the up-and-coming teams in the NFL. So whether it be hard knocks, all or nothing – I'm hoping at some point we get to document what's going on with them. Yep. Is there a team you don't particularly want to shoot? Maybe because of, like, location? Like, I don't know, maybe Buffalo because it's just freezing? Uh, Buffalo would be pretty boring. Yep. <laughs> that would be a pretty boring city to be in, especially with no Rex Ryan now. Yep. Um, but. Uh, yeah, you're not getting much out no, of Sean McDermott. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be one of my last choices, though. My assistant director who worked on the show with me this year, Pat Harris, he is a Bills fan. Okay. So he would love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking more like Sunshine, so like your Miamis, your, your Los Angeles Chargers, um, you know, oh, yeah. staying with the Bucks possibly. But as you said, that probably won't happen again in terms of doing the double up. Yeah, I mean, we were, we've were we been lucky the past two years, Arizona and L.A., I don't know if we'll get lucky again this year. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, another scene I really enjoyed, and given that you sort of had Arizona and then L.A., was the Denard Wilson scene before uh, yeah. they play the Cardinals and they have Bruce Arians' face up on the screen and, and they say, this 
you know, mofo doesn't respect you. Um, you know, yep. did that did that make you laugh sort of watching on from that, given that you've just spent the season with, with Arians and, and the Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, I thought, like, I knew how both teams felt about each other, and I know that neither one cares that it's out there. It's a known thing. Everybody knows that they don't like each other. Um, I didn't see Denard's speech happen, like, live. I wasn't watching in the robotics room, but I had heard about it. So I Tony had told me about what happened and, said, and that he thought it was great and everything. So I didn't see it until I actually watched the episode. Yep. And I was like, wow, that, that was pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> I, a pretty memorable moment there. I think the whole. I think that's one of our best weeks where we really like with the whole cheetah call and stuff. Like it was really good. Like where we were really able to pay off what was happening in practice with what happened in the game. And I think that was really one of the fascinating, you know, weeks leading into a game where we were really able to tie everything together. Yeah, and I feel like every episode's different in terms of like the the approach and uh, that's probably more the uh the editing room rather than the footage that you're getting but that moment like that episode especially was more about the actual the gameplay whereas the later episodes are about the narratives and 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 all the different things you know with coach fisher and and the quarterback battle yeah i mean i think like at that time because that was like where the that was where the win streak ended but like that was where it probably was feeling more like the Cardinals series at that point in time because things were good and we were three and one and you're focusing more on the games at that point and what's actually happening in the games as opposed to the players. So, um, I mean, it makes sense that it probably went from, you know, more football to more narrative later on at that after, you know, when the losing started. (laughs) Uh, How many swear words would you say you hear on a daily basis when you're doing all or nothing? Depends on who's mic. Yeah. Greg Williams is mic. It's uh, oh my gosh. an infinite amount of swear words. Is he but I the... love Greg. I think Greg's a great. Yeah, I was gonna say, is he the most pro- coach, yeah. Um... Is he the most prolific swearer you've had? Um, I mean, he'll kill me for saying this, but Bill O'Brien was. Uh, oh. Bill O'Brien swears a decent amount, and uh, so does Bruce. Yeah, oh, Bruce oh, swears a lot yeah, too. Bruce. I, I thought it was going to be Bruce, but yeah, when you mentioned Greg Williams, I totally forgot that. Yeah, like every time he is mic'd up, it's just a plethora of f bombs. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the number of swearing increases on game day as opposed to during the week? Mm, probably all relative. Yeah. It, it, it's it's all on the person's personality, I would imagine. Uh, all right, so the last question on uh, All or Nothing. What was your favorite and least favorite part of filming this season? My favorite? I mean, I love game day. Like, I like working on game day. Um, so I love, like, being able to be at the games with my crew that I work with. And then, obviously, I wish we had more happy moments at the end of the game. But I just, the way, I, after the Seattle game, um, that was just a really fun day. Um probably the best nine to three game I've ever seen in my life. It didn't feel like it was nine to three to me being there. Yep. Uh, both teams are moving the ball, just couldn't score. So it was just a really good defensive game. Um, the worst moment the, after the Miami game was probably the lowest part of the season. Coach Fisher told me after that was Jared Goff's first start. Yep. And Coach Fisher had said to me after the game that it was the most devastating loss of his career. Wow. Um, that was, that was, so yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like the game was over. I had, my crew started asking me what their post-game assignments were with about five minutes left. And I'm, I'm a little bit superstitious. So I was like, 
stop asking me. Like, I will give you your post-game assignments when I'm ready to give you your post-game assignments. Um, so, I, uh, yeah, I was like, they, everybody hit our – but I was even – in my head, I was thinking about it. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed working with Jared Goff. I think he's a really great sport, uh, being that he basically had cameras with him for over a year yeah. because – he did hey he did hey rookie with us before hard knocks so we did hey rookie then we did hard knocks and then we did all or nothing and wow. I, I honestly think like Jared is a tough kid um I hope he does well I think he's gonna do well I think he has the mentality to be the quarterback in LA um so I'm definitely rooting for him but I just I know how excited he was as much as I love case too I mean I, I was excited for Jared at the same time yep so I really, I, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, we'll ride in with Jared tomorrow. Uh, we'll watch the game film with him. This is going to be great. Um, and then, you know, it all fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that that day, other than Coach actually being fired and stuff, that day was, that was hard. Um, I think, like, the turning point in their season, though, was more like the Detroit game. Um they set all kinds of offensive records that day, but had a lot of injuries on defense and just couldn't get everything together. And then I, the way I see it is kind of like that's when Detroit kind of skyrocketed from there, ends up going to the playoffs while the Rams go the other direction. Because at the time, I believe they were three and two. Yep. And I mean, they had that game pretty well in hand and then lost in the end and then went on to lose. So we had to travel to London right off of that and lost a really close one in London. Yeah, I, so, watching that sort of Lions game, it was like a tale of two teams in terms of the Rams were unlucky in, in close losses and the Lions sort of rode that luck yeah. wave to the playoffs. And I I, I thought that was a, an interesting pivotal moment in, in not only the Rams season, but in the, in terms of the season of all or nothing. Yeah, I mean, I just, I thought after we, after we went ahead at one point, I forget exactly what the score was, but I kind of thought we were just going to go from there and like maybe win by two scores or something like that. Like, and then... I, I don't know. I mean, it's just the defense couldn't stop them, and, like, the defense was the strong part, but, like, they had a lot of injuries at the time. I think yeah. half the D-line was out, and they were really missing Tremaine Johnson in the game. But, yeah, um, yeah I just I felt, I felt like that was kind of, like, the turning point in the season. Yeah, you, you mentioned Goff as well. I, uh, I feel like he's been hard done by a little bit uh, throughout sort of his career, and I, I agree. I, 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 I'm sort of rooting for him as well. I feel like he does get a tough... A tough sort of he, he cops it a lot because he looks like Ryan Gosling a little bit. So people think because you look yeah. like that, you're not you're not very tough. Um, but and then the whole sunrise sunset thing got way overblown. Like that was just like it was a funny moment in the I'm, show. But like people are bringing that yeah. up like 12 months later. Like it like it actually means something. Like that's got no impact on his football ability. Well, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been defending that now for the past like six months. I mean, I like not six months, almost a year now. I yep. like I when that scene happened, I mean it never even crossed my mind to like call him dumb. Like to yeah. me it was like he's this young kid from California who's kinda of goofy. He's like funny. Um and I like I never and Jared loved the scene. Like mm. when we all like when he watched it and stuff, like his mom texted me, like everybody loved it. So like then to go on Twitter <laughs> And see people calling him dumb. And I was like, what the heck is wrong with people? Like, yeah. And then they continue it throughout the season. And yeah. it's like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, if this kid won three or four games, instead of calling him dumb, he'd be like the fun-loving guy from California. 
Yeah. But because he didn't win, now all of a sudden he's dumb. Yeah. Like, just I just don't think it's fair. I think, like, I watched a guy who, like, is a good teammate, uh, loves football, like, took a ton of hits and got right back up, wanted to get back in the game, just has the mentality of, like, I don't really care what all of you people are saying about me as long as, like, my teammates have my back. So, um I'm hoping with Sean McVay, having, the, having Sean McVay, who's an offensive-minded guy in there, I hope that does a lot of good for Jared and he does well. Yeah, I hope that uh, I hope that does happen. I'm speaking with Doug Farrar sort of immediately after speaking with you, and, and that's sort of one of my questions for him on what sort of impact Sean McVay will have on uh, on Jared Goff. So moving forward now, um, we've mentioned possibly that there will be an All or Nothing Season 3. We won't know what team it is yet. You're very tight-lipped about that company girl. Well done. Um, in terms of NFL films, uh, what can we expect from NFL films in general this year? I know it's the 50th anniversary since the first ever player was mic'd up. So have we got anything special in store for some mic'd up series this year? Um, I know that via social media we have uh, the, our top 50 favorite mics are oh, coming out. Awesome. So they're going to our social media team has a plan for that and they actually had us all vote on who our favorites have been throughout the years and so they're putting a countdown together via social media for that who did you vote um, for as the number one person yeah who's your favorite i think i put i put uh, i forget what my top three I know, it was like i love cam newton's mic from christmas I think it was three years ago. He was mic'd on Christmas Day against the Buccaneers. Yep. And it was pretty amazing. I love J.J. Watt's mic against the Titans. Against Zach Mettenberger? The year. Yes. Yes, that was great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm missing, like, one of the old school ones that I love. Okay. Because we tried to, like, put everything. We tried to, like, mix yeah. it up so it wasn't just, One like, of my favorites, Peyton Manning sorry. with the Gatorade. Um, that's always a funny one. Yeah. Um, I'm a that's, big Peyton Manning really fan, so too. that's that's I'm a little bit biased. Yeah. No, I, he's, he, he'll definitely be on there. Um, yep. I feel like I'm missing an obvious one. <laughs> that's all good. We'll, <laughs> there's uh, so many good ones. There's so many, like, there's so many good moments, too, just, like, moments on wires that are really good. I mean, like, there's one, like, Arian Foster in the playoffs when he asks the referee for his ref hat. He wants to change game hats with him. Like, we just get, like, the most random, fun little things that, like, stick with you. But uh, I even love, like, a good Jay Cutler wire. Yeah. He's, like, such I a love jerk Cuddy. that it's awesome. Yeah, I lo- we love that. <laughs> me, and, me and Wood are, like, yeah. we love Jay Cutler's sort of don't give an F yeah. attitude. Like, we, oh. we really respect that. Aren't you, you guys? Aren't you guys Colts fans? Andrew Luck's wires are amazing. Yeah, I'm a Colts fan. Uh, Woot's a Philly fan. Uh, yeah, uh, Andrew Luck, when he gets okay. sacked, thanking defenders, like, good job. Yes. Like, that's amazing. Yes. Like, yeah, it's it's just so great. Uh, yeah, 50 moments would probably be better because there's just, like, some mics might not be great, but they've just got one incredible line. that That's all you need. Yeah. 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 Uh, moving on to Hard Knocks, obviously it's a little bit early, but can you shed any light on this year and, and what we can expect and potential players or characters to watch out for? So you were right about William Hayes last season before the Rams Hard Knocks, so, uh, and we've mentioned Gerald McCoy, but uh, w- what else have we got in store for us? Well, I think you'll see their quarterback quite a bit. <laughs> he's, he's an interesting guy, um, though, so I'm, like, I'm keen to see Jameis because I feel like he's an... Uh, 
I don't know what the word is, but he's very like energetic and he gets animated mm-hmm. a lot. So I feel like he would be someone that's going to produce some some good moments. Yeah, I spent the weekend actually down in Alabama with him two weekends ago. Um, he invited our cameras in to kind of be there. He like a big family reunion type weekend. So we got a lot of really great cool. material. Um, he's been great to us. So for the whole organization has been really great to work with so far. We shot, we filmed the open down there about a month ago. Um, with most of their star players are going to be in that. Uh, and everybody was great. So we have really high expectations. I should probably temper my expectations a little bit because I'm like kind of thinking it's going to be the best one ever right now. So <laughs> I need to calm down. <laughs> but oh. You're, you're riding away. You're riding away right now. Everything's going so well. So I totally understand why you're feeling that way. Yeah, I think another person in Tampa that you can look out for too, who like people probably don't even know right now. Um, I think their general manager is going to be a fun surprise. Uh, Jason Light. He's just he's been he's just a football guy. He's like everyone told us he's like a beer drinking scout, and that's what it seems like. He just loves football. Um, Sweet. So I'm hoping we can kind of introduce him to everybody. Yep. Uh, Dirk Carter obviously has been through the Hard Knocks experience before. A little bit of a quiet mm-hmm. sort of guy, so I'm not sure how much we'll get out of him. And then obviously you've got Aguayo versus Falk, the, the kicking battle of the decade. Um, and yes. I think it's like Falk's like yes. third Hard Knocks now? It is Nick Falk's third Hard Knocks, Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got to know Nick pretty well during – I was a field producer on the Jets' Hard Knocks, so – um, I know him from that. Uh, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, I'm not sure what to expect out of that situation, but it, we'll document it for sure. Yes. Um, so yeah. Well, and I, I think Dirk, I think Dirk is going to be better than people think. I think when, you know, it's different being an offensive coordinator and being a head coach. So I'm told he definitely has fiery moments and stuff as a head coach. So you know, he might not be Bill O'Brien, but I think, I think he's going to be good. Yeah, it's. Uh, I can't wait. I just, I'm so excited for Hard Knocks. I like the Barks. They're they're a good team. They're a likable team. So it's going to be, interesting. and a lot of people rally around the Hard Knocks team. So we'll wait and see yeah. sort of what what comes up. I uh, if you do get an all or nothing season three team with an Australian in it, um, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> because um, you need like. They're all characters. All the Aussie punters are characters. So I know Jordan Berry of the Steelers, like, they have sort of home run derby, but he brings a cricket bat and had a sausage sizzle, like, where he cooked his own steak while everyone else is eating something different. So we're, uh, <laughs> like, that always is going to end up being very good footage. So um, if you need some Australian yeah. inside info, like, please, uh, please hit know, us up. I know where to go. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> the, the top 100, uh, the NFL films... Uh, I know you worked on that this year, and I look. I full disclosure, I didn't. I like the videos. I like the production of it. Um, I just don't like the yeah. process involved. I don't actually pay much attention to the rankings because I don't particularly like the process involved in terms of making the list. But for what it is, players okay. talking about other players, it's it's really fun. So who did you work with this year on that? Um, I did Patrick Peterson and Tom Brady's segments for the show. Um, I didn't do much of the tour this year, um, getting the guys to vote because I was in Los Angeles. So I did the Rams ballots, but that was it. I I was only able to help get, uh, ballots from the Rams. So, 
when I came home, I edited um, Patrick and Tom Brady. I've done the number one person the past three years. Okay. So, so. it's become become kind of a tradition. <laughs> Please do Andrew Luck next year. Please do Andrew Luck next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so how should we perfect the process then? Let me ask you a question. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't, I'm, like, I don't. I find it weird, like, they just list 20 players. So, like, some random running back could get, like, four votes and end up being in the top 100 because not many other teams would vote. Like, so, I don't know. I, I'm i not sure what what how the process needs to change. But, like, I like the, like, I like the show in terms of the video and the production. But then some people will, like, yeah. take the rankings way too serious. So, it's not really the, the uh-huh. process that I have an issue with. It's people actually buying into the process way too much yeah. like JJ Watt getting like really really furious about his ranking like like yeah, just sell, like it's just a show like it's not a serious list it's not like yeah. a it's not like an MVP award it it is just the top 100 it's yeah. it's the off season it's counting down it's giving us content until we get to hard knocks mm-hmm. and and training camp yeah yeah i mean we're try- we've tried like every year we get we had almost a thousand players vote this year which is the most we've ever had that's awesome um I think it's similar to like Pro Bowl voting. There's like there's no perfect way to do it. Like we had talked about going like electronic and doing it, but then like we actually really like the process of like watching the guys filling out the ballots on cameras. We think you get like some funny conversation and things like that going from like just sitting there with the guys like filling out ballots. So that's why we haven't gone yep. to an electronic mode yet where you wouldn't really be able to see that. Um so I know every year it's a the struggle to just like keep getting more and more guys so that the list does have more credibility each year. But yeah, like you said, it's just a fun list. And you know, JJ says he shouldn't be included on the list because he was injured. Well, the list is actually previewing next year. Yeah. Yes, it's, for the most part, it's based off of what you did in 2016. But guys like Peyton Manning, Adrian Peterson, Hall of Fame type players are gonna make Kai's list because they respect them and yep. you know that's what I just said I was like god it's so terrible to be respected by your peers yeah exactly <laughs> like settle down and JJ was like number one one year like come on mate you know be a bigger yeah, advocate of the uh, of the game um <laughs> yeah I don't I, I generally find JJ Watt on social media a bit insufferable um I just yeah um I like watching him play except against the Colts but uh, you know yeah. I just on social media no thanks uh, it's a bit much for me but <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> Shannon, thank you very, very much for uh, for joining the show yet again. Uh, I really appreciate it, and it's just it's so, it's such good uh, of you to give us you know such generous time um, given your busy schedule and always sort of you're rarely home. So to give us sort of nearly an hour uh, while you're at home trying to relax, I, I really appreciate it. And um, you know your episodes are some of our most downloaded because people find uh, NFL films fascinating; <laughs> they love it. So I really thank. Thank you, and and we wish you all the best for season three of All or Nothing. Um, hopefully, you are are in Indianapolis because I I'd, I'd really like to watch uh, the Colts on All or Nothing. <laughs> no, no problem. That would that would be great. Yeah, that <laughs> we'll, would. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Be fantastic, and hopefully we can get you on again uh, next year for make this a yearly thing. Um, it's a it's a good uh, friendship we have, and when you come down to Australia, as I said to you pre. Uh, pre-recording <laughs> drinks are on us for when you decide to take one of the 250 flights a year you take down to sydney uh, we'll uh, we'll hook you up 
Sounds good. I, that's on the bucket list. So yes. I hope to do that soon. Sweet. And that's a lifetime guarantee as well. So um, we're not going <laughs> to cop out after a year or two. So, uh, yeah, all good. Thanks, Shannon. <laughs> and uh, enjoy uh, Hard Knocks. And uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. All right. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. A big thanks to Shannon Furman for joining the show and being very generous with her time on a rare day where she's actually home despite her crazy schedule. So big thank you, Shannon, for uh, for joining us. And I, I can't wait for you to come down and do this in person with us in Australia when you eventually tick off that bucket list and uh, and head down under. Um, it would be really good. Do you know it would be really good if your beloved Penn State uh, played a game down here like uh, Stanford and Cal have done in the past? It's just bit too big of a travel from uh, the East Coast as opposed to the West Coast. So, please, as I said at the top of the show, check out All or Nothing Season 2 on Amazon Prime. And please check out all of NFL Films. As I said, it is tough to find in Australia given the geo-blocking from uh, Amazon. It's not an NFL Films issue, as Shannon touched on in the interview. Um, But if there's a way that you can stream it and watch it, please check it out because it's very much worth your while. That wraps up the show. Uh, Please... Give us a iTunes review. We need iTunes reviews. Um, it helps us uh, climb up the market and uh, get more and more listeners and build our fan base. And uh, we really appreciate it if you could give us an iTunes review. If you've already done one, just use the girlfriends, the mums account, the brothers account on iTunes. Just whoever, just your bosses, whatever. Just uh, log on and give us an iTunes review. And you can listen to the show as always on uh, iTunes, on Stitcher, on Audio Boom and on iHeartRadio. And uh, please give us a follow on Twitter at Wooten Wine. You can follow me at JYNFL. See you later.